welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod where for about 20 or 25 minutes, we feature an RSP member who will speak at Retail Now 2021. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference and networking event scheduled for July 25th through 27th in person at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. Retail Now will feature more than 20 education sessions and dozens of expert presenters, including today's guest. Dan Jablons is the owner of Retail Smart Guys, a technology consultant group headquartered in Southern California that serves independent retailers. Dan, great to talk with you again. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. And so you're a friend of the pod, right? We first talked back in June 2020 in the early yes. stages of the pandemic, episode 21 for folks who, who want to see that. We also worked together on the RSP Academy Symposium uh, last summer as well. And so our listeners have got to know about you and retail smart guys and also your acting career. For folks who don't know, just go to YouTube and search Buffet Lawyer and you'll see uh, one of my favorite uh, works of dance. So I guess if you can give us an update, how have you been in terms of both business and show business? Oh, you know, things have been really good. It's an interesting time. Obviously, retail is starting to really improve and we're starting to see things pick up. And as the pandemic wanes a bit and, and people are out there, they're spending money. So, uh, you know, those are the exciting parts. The hard parts, of course, are the supply chain is a bit of a mess right now. Um, uh, right near us in, uh, in Long Beach Harbor, you can see every place where you could put a boat is completely filled and then there's about between 30 and 50 boats anchored offshore waiting for a parking spot um and even then they can't even unload them all so i'm i'm contemplating now on top of everything else maybe i'll go get my truck driving license and drive goods to my customers now it's gotten to that point um but business has really been strong and so hopefully between getting the supply chain right and getting people hired again is the other challenge right now but um if we can solve those two things it's going to be like almost a renaissance in retail so that's been really good and uh, and then on the show, besides, you know, you know, things are starting to pick up again. I just shot a, a national commercial, so I'm excited about that. And I did a small part in a show called Let's Be Real uh, and another part in a show uh, called Family Business. So, you know, things are starting to pick up there. It's very it's pretty exciting. So uh, it's a busy time, but, you know, it's the moment we've waited for now that uh, we're all getting vaccinated and we're all getting our, our lives back in order. So it's exciting. Really yeah, you great. had your life is in two industries, retail and showbiz, and both of them like completely shut down uh, for a period of time. So who who, yeah, who would have thought that like, was? Wow, I, you know, what, what I picked two industries that got hammered the worst or amongst the worst by the uh, by the pandemic. So, but it's good to have all that behind me now. So exactly, yeah, nice nice to be bouncing back. So all right, well, let's talk about retail now. So you're going to be hosting a presentation that's part of the customer service track, and your talk yeah. is titled learn the business language of retail. And the summary of your session says that you're going to help attendees have, quote, more meaningful discussions with prospect and customers and long lasting loyalty to your brand. So I'm curious, why do you say that with, with such confidence? Well, I, it, it's just, I'll tell you the story from, from my past. When, when I, uh, early in my career, when I was working for a, a point of sale company, uh, I went to go train one of my clients and um, just, you know, La la la, happy, gonna go in there and train them, go, go through the whole thing, right? And when I got there, the owner literally put me up against the wall. That's a New York story, so that's gonna happen, right? But but um, he put me up against the wall and he said, you guys said I was gonna make money with this system. Show me how. 
And I was like, uh oh. <laughs> so it was a real sort of like, you know, awakening moment where I went, you know, it's not just about whatever clever things I want to say about my my systems or my solutions or that kind of stuff. I have to understand what to them means success. And what are the what are the stats and what are the measurements and the metrics that they're using to evaluate the success of their business? And by the way, are those the right ones or not? You know? Um and so at that moment in time, it became very clear to me that if I don't really speak the language of, of my customer and, and understand statistically what they're looking at and understand what is it that they're measuring and, and what do they define as success or improvement, if I don't align myself well with that, then I can have opinions all day long about what I think, but it's going to come down to what they think about my solution that's going to make the difference. And so that began a study for me about what is a, you know, what does it mean to be a merchant? And, and what are the things you have to look at as a merchant in order to determine your success? And and I think, you know, it kind of falls into a couple of categories. For some of your clients that are really good merchants that understand those stats well, you're going to have to align yourself well and learn what they are, under, what, learn what they're looking at and learn what they understand to be really important statistics. And for others that are not as sophisticated, I, I think it's going to be important for you to, to, um, uh, to, educate them on what those statistics are and how your solution might provide those things. And that was a real game changer for me in this industry. It, it, it changed it from me just sort of being another guy that's pushing software to a guy that's actually a real partner and a real resource for my clients. Got it. So the language of retail isn't so much use these specific words to get their attention or like in for folks who are watching on YouTube, one of the books behind me talks about don't ask for an appointment because doctors ask for appointments, say, can I steal a minute? And I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's really going to turn the tide. So it sounds like it's not just the words. It's really getting down to talking about the right numbers, the right analytics, the right outcomes. Is that essentially what the language is that you're talking about? Absolutely. You know, I can't tell you how many times I talk to retailers and they tell me that, you know, they've just met with their accountant. They had the best year they've had in a long time. Everything is great. And then the accountant says, okay, so here's what you owe in taxes. And the guy goes, I don't have that money sitting around. How did that happen? I'm like, well, yeah, because it's all over your selling floor, right? Because they're not looking at the right things. They're only looking at top line sales. They're not looking at sell through or turn or GMROI or any of the other statistics that are important in the in in the evaluation of a retail business. So yeah. it is it's not just terminology, but it's also how do you bring those statistics and those numbers to life, especially when you're talking about something like fashion retail, where you know these guys are all about you know what's pretty and what looks good and you know what's the right fabrications and what's the right color story and that kind of thing it's all great stuff but like someone has to be able to translate that, that into is this a viable enterprise where we're making money got it and one thing that i like about you giving the presentation and like most of the presenters at retail now they've walked a mile if not miles and miles right a marathon in the shoes of the folks who are going to be in the audience so i grew up kind of in the trade magazine industry and i remember very early on learning that you have these i want to say younger kids but i was a younger kid back then talking about something they heard or some high level stuff and then just kind of shoving into the magazine and these veterans would read it and go yeah that's all that i've heard before but it sounds like what you're going to talk about is things you've actually learned and it's going to be some insights for the audience not just some top level high level hundred level you're going to really dive deep into your conversations with retailers if i'm understanding that correctly yeah. I'll give you a great example of it, right? You know, you, you, a lot of retailers and even restaurants talk about turn, right? Restaurants they talk about in terms of table turnover and stuff like that. And retailers talk about turn, like how many times a year does the inventory completely turn over and change, right? 
But when you start working on math examples and you show a retailer, you know, what if I could improve you by a half a turn? And, oh, okay, well, you know, it's a sort of a number at that moment in time and maybe it doesn't have any meaning until you actually take it into their business and say, okay, let's look at what your average inventory is right now. And if I improved you by a half a turn, how much less money you would have on your selling floor and more money you'd have in your bank account? And what does that mean to the business, right? And then you can then that example goes even further, like, okay, well, if I have less inventory, that means I have less to mark down. You know, you know, the one of the greatest compliments I get when when um, uh, working with a retailer is, boy, my sale comp my sale customer was really disappointed in this most recent blowout sale because there wasn't that much there. Like, well, yeah, that's because you didn't have to bring in a whole bunch of inventory that you didn't need. That, that you couldn't sell off and then had to take, you know, brutal discounts to get out of your inventory, right? So understanding how all that works and how that relates to their expenses and their bottom line, to me, you know, if you're offering a solution to a retailer and you don't understand those numbers really well, then how can you actually talk about the return on investment for your product until you understand the real impact of that? Exactly. Yeah. You want to be a partner of theirs, not just a salesperson, because just a salesperson is going to be pushing the hardware and the software. So I've got a couple more questions for Dan, but just want to pause here very quickly to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift 4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and Scansource. I was just thinking my commercials are far less fancier than the ones uh, that, that you do. So <laughs> I have to work on that a little bit. Um, uh, so a couple more questions for you, Dan. So you sure. know, I think you touched a little bit. I was going to ask, where did you fall short in the past and what lessons did you learn along the way? But I think you kind of shared that in, in that example. Where do you see other solution providers falling short in their discussions with merchants? Where are they not following through and having this kind of the kind of conversations you'd recommend well i i think that they get myopic on their own solution and and don't think about what the industry at large is looking at i have another story to tell you about that um and and what i consider to be the worst year of my professional career um i i was working for a little while with a marketing company like a, a internet marketing company that was doing search engine optimization and and uh search engine marketing and, and that kind of stuff right and the guy that created the company landed a, a very <clears throat> a very big software company. I mean, we're going to start doing their marketing and their search engine optimization. We were very excited. It was a big deal and that kind of stuff. And what was interesting was <clears throat> the guy that, I, that, that ran this marketing company knew a lot about marketing. He was a very, very bright guy and understood it really well. The customer that we had had their own set of measurements about what they thought was going to be important. And the guy that I was working with was like, well, they're wrong about that stuff. And I was like, well, if they are wrong, then here are our choices. We either use theirs or you convince them that ours are right and theirs are wrong. But there is no in between, right? We can't stand on ceremony in that and think that we understand it better than they do if we don't convince them that we understand it better than they do. And, if, and so we, you know, we ended up losing that deal because I could never convince him that he had to he had to face that straight up with uh, with the customer that we were working with to say, you know, you're looking at stat A. We think stat B is the right, is the best measurement, and here are the reasons why. We never actually got them to agree to that, or we never actually crossed that bridge. And because of that, we lost the client. 
and and our solution no matter how good it was and it was a good solution but no matter how good how good it was it didn't resonate with the customers so you know you got to hit them where they live and and we have to understand where they live and their pain points and what's going on with them you know um even recently for me i had a, a client that uh, that I lost, and it was because, you know, we're providing open to buy, we're giving them budget, we're saying buy this much and buy that much, and when she finally confessed to me, she said, you know, the amount of money you want me to spend on merchandise, I don't have, I don't know how I'm going to do it, I didn't actually get deep enough with her to understand that that was a problem for her, and help her solve that problem, and if I had helped her solve that problem, she would probably still be a client, so it's a lesson that continues to resonate with me every every day, every week, every month, every year, you know, uh, if you don't get close enough and if you don't demonstrate enough of an understanding of their numbers and how they work and how they live and breathe those numbers or should live and breathe those numbers and get that point across to them then you're going to find yourself outside and not inside yeah and so i guess if a follow-up to that you t i love the word myopic i guess i don't love the whole you know somebody being myopic but i do see that a lot of times where especially folks presenting at a trade show look at our building let me tell you about our history and the audience is like that really doesn't matter to me and like yeah. you said about uh, folks pitching to their clients it's in terms of let me tell you about our hardware our software and all this stuff that we do as opposed to learning from them how do you you know as opposed to just learning lessons the hard way, what, what do you recommend to folks so they are no longer myopic? Is it coming in with a long list of questions before they start pitching, or is it something a little bit uh, deeper than that? I, I think it starts with a, a deep understanding of, again, you know, if you suddenly, you know, if suddenly your name was on the door instead of the retailer's name or the restaurateur's name on the door, what are the things that you need to measure and understand in order to improve that business? And if you can then, once you have that understanding, then boil that down to just a few things like, you know, okay, so how quickly are you turning your inventory? And and be willing to stay in the chair long enough to to get beyond the initial social veneer of it. You know, I, I often say that uh, retailers that I talk to are often like a soft-boiled egg. Um, when you first talk to them, there's a nice shell there. No, 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 we're fine. Everything's great. It's all good. We're doing yep. really well. It's all good, that kind of stuff. When you finally crack that shell, you see, boy, there's a lot of goo inside now, right? <laughs> you know, oh, this is a mess and that's wrong. We got this inventory we've had since the Carter administration and, you know, we don't know what to do with this and, you know, that kind of, you know. And, and so um, you have to be willing to stay in there long enough to ask those questions. And, and I find that, you know, especially in selling, I'm not suggesting that you that you be rude, but you do have to be willing to sort of like you know invade someone's space a little bit. You know, uh, one time uh, I was talking to a, a prospect and she said, "Ah, oh, this is uh, I have this one vendor and, and and he's great because at the end of the season whatever doesn't sell he takes it back and then I have a credit for next season. It's great, so I don't you know that kind of stuff." And I go, "If he's such a great vendor, why is there stuff left over at the end of the season?" And now we're perpetuating this credit every single season. But maybe he's not such a great vendor if you're having to send stuff back all the time, right? And her face got all red. And I know the person I was with was all like, oh, oh what'd you do? Because it was like, you know, it was an embarrassing question, right? Um, mm -hmm. But uh, I've come to the realization that, you know, they probably already have a lot of friends and they didn't bring me in just to be a friend. They brought me in to really be a true consultant and a true uh, uh, and someone who really doesn't help their business. And, you know, I have to, you know, say what I really see at that moment in time. I don't have to do it as a jerk. I don't have to be an awful guy about it, but I have to just say, you know, I just said, you know, why is he your best vendor if everything goes back at the end of every season? 
And I know that was a perspective she didn't have uh, before that. And, you know, we did successfully help them, but but it was it was a moment of, it was where things changed. It was like, okay, well, this guy isn't just going to snow me and just say the nice things. You know, anybody else would have been, oh, that's great. There's such a great vendor. That's really right. cool. You know, you know, as, as opposed to actually really yep. kind of confronting the truth of it and actually facing what really is happening in that business. Yeah, get beyond the relationship selling to actually being that trusted advisor, even if it's words that they might not want to hear, things that aren't going to make them feel good because they'd yeah, rather yeah. not feel good talking to you at that moment and feel much better uh, when they review when they review their financials. They, so they they at least know they're going to hear the truth from me, right? And then down the road, uh, you know, it's going to feel better when they, right when they look at their financial statement or, or saying they're going, you know what, I can't afford a better vacation or whatever it is that they're they're talking about doing. You know, there is, a, and there is that degree also of goal setting. Like, what do you want to do with this business? Where are you headed with it? Why, why are we even talking? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I've had people tell me, look, I, I want to be in it for another five years. So I want to sell it. And I go, okay, well, then, you know, our, we need to look at how our solution is going to improve your financial statements so that you are in a better position to sell this business five years from now, right? Um, what does that mean in terms of what does your balance sheet look like? What does your income statement look like? What, what do I as a buyer think I'm going to see when I see those? What does a bank think it's going to see when it looks at, at those documents? You know, um, an understanding of those things will help you then kind of go like, well, here's where my solution will get you from where you are to where you want to be uh, if you apply it the right way and if you work with us to make that happen. You know, Got it. I, I think that's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a way different thing than just like, look at this really cool screen I have, you know? Right. It's better than just saying I have to put on this whiz bang demo for them and win them over like you're talking as a business person, you know, one executive to another and really being a, a consultant for them. Well, you know, and, and, and one more quick story, if, if I may. No, please. This is, again, long ago when I was in the point of sale industry, we were actually trying to sell the the um, the Staples Center, you know, the, the sports arena, you know. Sure. Where the and, Lakers um, and Clippers and Lakers yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Arena in L.A. Uh, and we lost to somebody else. And then three years later, they came back to us and they hired us, right? So, and I was the lead tech at that point. And so, I, you know, we're going in, we're doing the installation, we're doing the setups and all that kind of stuff. And I turned to the woman who had turned us down three years earlier, the buyer. And I said, so why did you not go with us a couple of years ago? And why are you with us now? She said, well, you, you know, uh, the solution we picked you know, the stuff crashed all the time and thing wasn't working and didn't happen and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, it was during the time when the Lakers had like three championship seasons in a row, like back to back to back to back. And they didn't make hardly any money on the merchandise. I got to tell you, if you've got a championship team and you're not making money on the merchandise when they're when they're winning uh, yeah. uh, seasons and stuff like that, you got to rethink your life at that moment. So. <laughs> So I said to her, why didn't you pick us years ago? And she said, their screens were prettier. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't ask the right questions. We didn't push yeah. ourselves hard enough. We didn't do the right things by the by the retailer and, and could have saved them a whole lot of anguish and difficulty as a result. So, you know, they can make choices based on some unusual things, you know, and, and even our solution at that point in time, you know, we were pretty robust, full, full uh, featured solution. But like there were times when people would be like, well, your solution doesn't do this. I'm like, well, did you ask us if we did that during the demo? And they're like, well, no, we just assumed since we saw this, 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 that you yes. 
of course you do that, right? It's like, well, no, we don't, of course, do anything. So, yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that the customer is is dialed into everything they need to be dialed into. That's right. You know what you do, but you've got to be able to understand what they care about and then align value as opposed to just just pitching. Very much so. The aligning value. So. so. All right. I have one more uh, question for you, Dan, and it ties in with, uh, I guess, a quick story that I have. So a role that I play here at the RSP besides recording podcasts is I work as a business coach for VARs and, and for software developers. And I recently had a conversation with an RSP member in Canada, and he said he felt his sales team wasn't living up to being trusted advisors, which is kind of what we've been talking about today. He said it really only happens with long-term clients, and it just is because over a period of time, you get to know each other better. And so he was saying, like, well, I really wish I could infuse that in my team. So I guess my question for you is kind of pulling back from your presentation at Retail Now, like, what are some best ways that folks can attend that and go and integrate those lessons into their operations, into their team? I guess, what have you seen that's successful in terms of from a, a teaching where you take something from a conference or from a podcast and go and kind of infuse it in your team? What recommendations would you have? I think first off, you know, uh, clearly, um, you know, uh, you have to know what you don't know, right? Um, you have to be able to kind of look at, you know, uh, and if you're not constantly thinking about what do I need to learn now, then you're just about done, right? I mean, we certainly live in an, in an era where there's always something new happening <clears throat> and always something new to learn. And even though retail is is uh, a tried and true thing, but look at all the changes that happened even during the pandemic. I saw some amazing retailers do amazing things to keep revenue generated even while you know we were all shut down. You know, it was kind of incredible, but. Um, so I think the first thing you have to figure out is, you know, you have to know what you don't know, right? And identify those things. And then identify uh, a training program and, and a methodology to train people on that in such a way that they can still live their lives and do what they need to do. You know, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. It's like, okay, well, we're going to do a whole training program on something. It's like, oh. Oh, but I have 750 phone calls to return, and I've got proposals to write, and I've got people to call, and I've got things to do, and my kid's baseball game is this Saturday. And, you know, it's like, you know, you've got all these things that are going on. You have to find a way to schedule that into your life and, and and you know, and and turn off everything else and make all that work. And if you don't, like, look at this as a, as a, as a sea change for your business and therefore dedicate the time and the resources to educate your staff into doing those things, right, and doing it in, in sort of, I guess, bite-sized digestible morsels that they can that are that can also be demonstrated and applied in the work that they do um it's just going to be another you know one company i worked for they would be like oh here's the initiative du jour right like the owner of the company right. would have would come back from a conference like this and be like okay we're going to do this thing now and, they, and, and, and all the people would be like all right let's just wait for this to blow over <laughs> right right and then they would kind of you know attend the meeting and sit there and and then, okay, is this over now? Okay, let me go back to what I normally do. And then go back to what they normally do. So if, you know, um, when Bob Dylan was inducted into the, uh, or when he got, I'm sorry, when he got his Nobel Prize for for uh, songwriting, right? He said that the, the best thing you can do for somebody else is to inspire them. And I have hung on to that ever since he said it. The guy's going to turn 80 now, by the way. And he's still putting out music. I mean, 
wow. But but um, he said the best thing you can do is inspire someone. And you know that's different than teaching someone, right? If I can inspire someone to to do better, to think more about what their business where their business is really going, if I can inspire them, I don't have to motivate them, right? It, you know, I don't have to like come up with some kind of incentive plan, like okay, attend the training and you get X as a result, as a result of it. If I can inspire them that this information is going to be life-changing for them and their career and their business and their family and their lives, well, then I don't have to work so hard, right? So I think it's that inspiration and finding ways to inspire your staff to do different, to, to think differently about this and to get them excited about it takes all of the heavy lifting out of dragging them to a training session and dragging them to learn something they don't know already. Got it. Well said. Yeah, there's a concept of in order to really teach people, there's uh, operationalizing it. There's the boring part of it, like they need to learn. But then there's that inspiration part. So they're actually chasing after it. And they don't feel like it's, you know, looking at their watch and going, are we done with this yet? Yeah, they exactly. actually want to they want to become better for themselves and for their customers. Exactly. Exactly. And and let them feel what that's like when you when you when you make that change in your customer or your prospect or that kind of stuff. Once you feel it, you know, there's no going back, you know, uh, if you're really dedicated to this. And if you really are interested in helping people, once you feel that you've made that change in someone's life, uh, it's 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 pretty addicting. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you for sure. And, it makes well, it, and by the way, it takes yeah. it from work to being a much more fun thing to do, by the way. When That's I actually right. make a change in someone's life as a result of their business and their inventory turns faster or their margins get better or their purchasing gets better and their and some of the business problems they've had for forever go away and that kind of stuff and their life changes, you know, it's great for them. It's equally great for me. I, I live and breathe by that. Yeah, you get stoked by it and so you want to do more and more of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Great. Well, before we close out, Dan, I just want to say it was great to talk with you again, uh, and I can't wait to meet you in person. I do have to ask, though, because I had this at uh, Retail Now 2019, somebody I talked with over the course of a few years, but I had no idea he was six foot five. And so I'm curious, how tall are you? Because when I first met this person, I was like, really? Like, I had no idea because I'd only seen them on camera. How tall are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm eight inches. I'm eight inches tall. This is a, <laughs> right now. I am life size on your screen. No, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, actually, if I stand up straight, I'm six feet tall, Jim. Okay, very good. Well, good I'm about 5'10", 5'9 5'10", in that okay, range. So, so. If, if there's a jump ball at RSPA, I'm going to win, I guess. But I maybe, think so. I I think you so. might be a better jumper than me, for all I know. You know, so there you go. <laughs> you know what? I actually have a uh, a reseller uh, up in uh, Minnesota. Uh, it says he's going to challenge me to see who can uh, touch the rim or touch a backboard at retail now. Like he's been working on that, and so I've been working out with that in the back of my mind. So maybe you can jump in as well, literally. Uh, and we I, I might. I, well, I'll, I'll tell you a, a, just one very quick thing. And I know we're I know we're running long. One quick thing. I was one time speaking at a conference, and the guy who hosted the conference said, "By the way, I'm the best there's ever been." Excel. I'm the best at Excel that there's ever been. No one's ever been better than me. And then I got up to do my presentation and said, I just want to say before we get started that I'm the best there ever was at Excel and I'm prepared to throw down anytime you want. And I went, oh my God, that may be the nerdiest thing I've ever said. <laughs> Let's go outside and throw a football for 10 minutes before I do my presentation because I just need to re That wasn't where I was hoping life was going to go. So, you know. But I'm, I'm super excited to join you guys in Nashville and to meet everybody in person. And, and uh, uh, you know, I've heard nothing but amazing things about the conference. And so, boy, I can't wait to get there and, and, and talk with a bunch of other solution providers. And let's see what we can do to, to, to really improve our industry and make things better.
Fabulous. Wonderful. Well, that does it for this quick take episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2021, July 25th through 27th at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville, which is going to feature a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education sessions, including Learn the Business Language of Retail, hosted by Dan Jablons. For all the details, visit the show website at gorsp.org forward slash retail now. Before we go, thanks again to Dan Jablons for sharing his wisdom with us today. Also, thanks to RSP marketing manager, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.